Welcome to The Stare Down, sports talk and real estate with Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker in Columbus, Ohio, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida, and Todd Meininger of Cummins, Georgia. Listen in as they discuss the week in sports and toss in a pinch of real estate too. Now your hosts, Sean, Todd and Bill. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 150 of The Staredown. It's our weekly sports talk and real estate podcast with four guys from around the country. Can't believe we've been doing it for 150 episodes, but thank you for listening. And even if you're not listening, we're glad we're here. I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio, joined by Bill Risser in St. Petersburg, Florida, Todd Meininger in Cumming, Georgia, and Shea Brewer out in Portland, Oregon. Guys, let's go around the horn. We got a busy week of lots of sports to talk about. So, Bill, how's How's things going down in St. Pete? Things are great in St. Petersburg. Uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It was 82 degrees today, played some golf, and then proceeded to sit in, in our place for the next 10 hours in front of a television. So uh, I got all the sun I needed early. Sports, sports gods were good today, right? Lots yeah. of activity, especially with some bonus golf today, right? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Todd, what's going on? Welcome back. You've been, you've been uh, seaside, uh, on the sea, actually. Not seaside, you've been on the sea. Yeah, uh, back from vacay um, to steal uh, a, a line from, I believe it was Richard Nixon. He was tan, rested, and ready. I am uh, burnt, rested, and ready to, uh, to, to come back. Um, uh, olive skin I do not have, unfortunately. I'm, I'm pretty pasty. But anyway, uh, great time, Sean. I unplugged for a week, um, and I highly recommend it if you can get away with it. Um, we're also busy maybe an hour or two during the day, certainly a day, but it feels pretty good to be unplugged and back. So ready to hit the ground running tomorrow. A lot of catching up to do, obviously. Awesome. And Shea Brewer out in, or- in Oregon, you're, uh, you're on a all-star break, which the players I know look forward to, both from a fun and celebration standpoint. But I got to thank the staff and, and people like you that, that work on the, on the streets, in the, in the arenas. And um, you guys probably look forward to this as well. Speak to that for a little bit about uh, what, what you got going on this week and, and, and how this all-star break has been for you. Absolutely. It's, it's great. It's like the equivalent of a high schooler on spring break. You just, you get a week and a half to absolutely do nothing. You have zero games and um, they give us a little bit of time in the, away from the office as well. So we get a couple of days just to kind of gather ourselves and uh, get ready to push for the all-star, for the playoff push. And did the, did the Blazers finish at home or did they finish on the road? So you even got a couple extra days. Oh, we finished at home actually. Uh, okay. Golden state. We actually, uh, we yeah, you had a nice win Golden state that night. And, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get in the NBA, but it was an exciting game. Yeah, talk, talking about red complexions with uh, <laughs> with Todd, I think Steve Kerr wins that battle. <laughs> oh yeah, that was, uh, that was that was interesting, man. That was definitely interesting. That's cool. Hey, but, uh, go ahead, Shay. It, it's something to be said when a coach takes up for his players, and I thought that was really yeah. cool. And that's uh, one of the cool things about Steve Kerr, and that's another reason why a lot of guys like going to Golden State. He's he's a players' coach and. He essentially got ejected from the game for taking up for Draymond Green. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's big in baseball, Bill. You can attest to that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And by the way, it feels like I've been gone so long. Is Golden State still good? I mean, um, <laughs> nothing, nothing's changed in a week, right? Still, that's an impressive victory, right? <laughs> Todd, you can get lost on an island and Golden State will still be good by the time you come back. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, guys, let's, let's start with uh, – Start with a sport we don't talk about much, but because of the uniqueness of their sport and the uniqueness of the season, NASCAR starts off the season with their Super Bowl. Uh, you know, it's it's traditionally um, the biggest race of the of the calendar. Uh, it's a long season for NASCAR. It does end with a you know a long playoff and everything like that. But really, the Daytona 500 is kind of considered the ultimate race uh, that every racer wants to win. And Bill, you watched most of the race. I tuned in at the end. It it kind of had everything. It had a lot of lead changes. It had a lot of wrecks and a lot of not just one or two car wrecks. I, I think the second to last one was an 18 car pileup uh, with 10 laps to go. Yeah. Uh, why don't you kind of give us the highlights and, and and fill us in on how Denny Hamlin won his second Daytona 500? Yeah, it, look, it was a lot of fun. A couple of kids that the average age of the two guys starting on the pole in the second position, 23 years old. So and behind them. Mm-hmm. They had three Daytona starts between them. The four cars behind them had 47 Daytona starts. 
So they didn't really hang around the lead very long. <laughs> they, did, they did the best they could. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the race itself, uh, it, it's almost the same. Which, which, let me interrupt you, Bill. Yep. Let me interrupt you. So it goes to kind of show you that the, the qualifying for the pole position is really you racing against air, just you That's racing a against an empty, empty track yeah. with no traffic, right? Yep. And then all of a sudden it changes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it changes a little bit when there's uh, 38, 39 other, I think 40 cars started this year. There'll be 39 other cars on the track with you. Um, but it's, you know, I've been to six NASCAR races, uh, five of them. I was in the infield actually on pit row during the race. So as the cars are pitting, you're 15 feet from the car, just the width of the pit box away. You, you feel know, the watching, heat pouring off there. It's, it's the noise. It's the Nine uh, day, right? Yeah. You're, 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 it's, it's it, your chest, uh, feels like it's going to just pound out of your, you know, your yeah. heart's going to pound out of your chest. It's such a, an amazing experience. So, uh, but, but so to today it's a typical 500, right? Where, Lots of, um, there's a couple small spin outs, a guy cuts a tire and, you know, hits the wall. There's nothing big going on. But in most of these, this is a restrictor plate race, which is quite different than some of the other races because it really limits the horsepower. The cars are all kind of geared to be about the same speed. Nobody's dramatically faster. Because if you watch a race, say like in Phoenix, you might have somebody who's got an eight or nine or 10 second lead. And he's just doing his thing, running around the track and nobody can catch him. They're hoping for a, a caution so they can set back up. But on this race, everybody's in it until the bitter end. And when you get about to the last 10 laps, it's like every man for himself. The teams, you know, work a little bit together, but it's it uh, inevitably the big one happens. Talladega is another racetrack that does restrictor plates. So Daytona and Talladega are famous for these um, close quarter racing where somebody who's in fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh place is trying to make a move to move up. And one wrong move turns into a, well, you saw it today. You'll see the highlights. An 18 yeah. car, it looked like an explosion of sparks and fire. And everybody walks away from it. So that's the good news. <clears throat> Nobody gets hurt for the most part. With not, all the not new anymore, rules, right? Not anymore with the new rules. I mean, look, it's the track that where, where Darryl, uh, Dale Earnhardt died. Uh, yep. You know, in an, in a, that race, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's fun. It was 20 years fun. ago today, I believe. Yeah. Fun to watch. Yeah, wow. that you could, fun to watch that you can watch that and not have to, uh, you know, worry so much about that anymore with all the new safety, the Hans thing, the soft barriers. They've got a lot of stuff changing. So anyways, Danny Hamlin uh, and Joe Gibbs, you want to tie football into this. So yeah. Joe, Joe Gibbs. Kind of a cool story, actually. He's, he's with the Toyota. Yeah. He's, he's two, two stories, right? First of all, he had first, second and third in the race, right? Wow. Uh, first, second and third. And his son passed away a month ago. Uh, from a neurological disorder, J.D. Gibbs, who actually recruited Denny Hamlin to the J.D. Gibbs race or the yeah. Joe Gibbs racing team. Uh, so there was a whole lot of, you know, um, stickers floating around and just a lot of love for, for Joe Gibbs' son, J.D. Uh, and to get that win, you could tell it was really a pretty emotional day for Joe Gibbs. So they were talking to him as he was headed towards victory lane. But really uh, a lot of fun. I, I'm telling you, uh, you know, I, I started enjoying NASCAR about 10 years ago probably. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you to sit here and watch every race every weekend, but that's, that's a big race. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, um, you know, especially as it got to the last 10 laps, you know, it's dark. So it's under the lights, all the sparks off the, off the cars, the, you know, you saw pretty much when it got down to the last, you know, cause I, I, I'm sure that there's some sort of bonus for finishing the race. Mm -hmm. So you saw guys in the pits, like pulling out hammers, pounding, pounding parts of the car so the car could still drive just so they could finish. Um, they don't care if they're 30 laps off the lead lap finishing. Yeah. You get paid. Yeah. And, and it was Chase Jarvis that three times, I think got through the wrecks without, you know, that just navigated through. Was it, who was it that Ryan Priest, number 47, yeah, kind of a younger guy, but right place, right time. Right. Well, he and this was one of those spotters come into play big time saying, go low, go low, go low, or go high, because they can't see anything, right? Right. There, well, at one point, this Ryan Priest shoots a gap where there are two cars in the infield going to get move up the track. There are two cars off the wall coming down the track. They're coming towards each other, and he just floors it, goes directly between them as they smash into each other. After, it was like a stunt you see in a movie. Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, that kid's either got the, the, all the luck in the world or he's an amazing driver, one or the other. And he ended up doing the same thing in the, the last second to last crash. So it's just fun. And now it's super slow-mo and you can really see exactly what caused it. And, and then they even flashed back 40 years ago to Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison, and Kelly Yarbrough. 
Yeah, when they fought. They, 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 they were banging each other going down the, the last lap. They end up in the infield fighting him. Literally in a fist fight, yeah. Literally all three of them in a fist fight, yeah. Yeah, Donnie was on the ground holding his leg. I think Bobby was trying to punch Kale, and it was pretty funny. Was there a Donnie or Davey, Bill? Uh, might have, well, there's three. One of them died oh, there's in a helicopter. One, okay. Yeah, there's three brothers. One died in a helicopter crash, I think, leaving, yeah. uh, leaving a race. So. Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, you teased earlier um, in, our, in our text thread, um, you know, it, this is a ninth-place guy. You know, he causes a crash. I, I forgot exactly what, where you're going with that, if, if you want to. Uh, yeah, well, I just, you know, on the restart, because cause when the 18th uh, car pileup happened, it, it became a red flag, which, which I think Bill can correct me, but that stops the race. They basically park the cars on the track. Yeah, and they the got to clean it. They kind of get the players players back in the order that they were at the impact of the race. And then on the restart, it's obviously kind of a, you know, um, I think it was Darrell Waltrip said, you know, inside of five laps, it's every man for himself, right? Not forget the teams and and the alliances and things like that. It's really, but there was a, there was a guy that was, and and Bill corrected me, he was in sixth place, I think. um, And I said ninth, but you know, there's only so many, there's only so much space you have to navigate on these, you know, really where they try to make the moves is heading right into the turn because that's the best chance for, for there to be some movement up and down the track. Um, straightaways, you're just not going to have any type of leverage. But this guy just seemed to, to try and make a move. And, and on replay, I stand corrected because he kind of got bumped from the back. He was, he was trying to slide up the track because another guy was trying to come down the track and the, and the front end of the car hit the back end of the car and it really spun. But, but I guess, Bill, my, my, my statement would be, at what at what point do you really have a chance to make a move, or is the guy in ninth just trying to get to eighth because the difference in points is so different? But, well, everybody's trying to pass the guy in front of him every single time you race, anywhere from little go karts as little kids up until the professionals in F one in Europe. Right, you're always trying to pass the guy in front of you. Always, there's never a reason why you wouldn't, and so that's part of it. It's just competitive. But in that that you know the one you were talking about, the, the guy was actually sitting in fifth or sixth. And he made a clean move down into the middle of the track where there was there's three there were three lines you could use. He got in that middle and made the move, but trying to move back up in front of the guy he just passed, he, you know, he got clipped from the rear, and that's what spun him into the accident. Yeah, it happens, but it's yeah. dude, those guys do not get to that level without uh, bumping into people, doing all kinds of crap along the way. It's mm-hmm. just part of the game. Rubbing is racing, right, Bill? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the exciting part when you see two guys just going at it, and uh, and they both keep control of their cars. Amazing at, at 180 miles an hour. It's pretty impressive. And, and at those super speedways, you go three wide easy, sometimes four wide, right? Yeah, for um, sure. So yeah. if you're in fifth or sixth, I mean, you're looking at one car in front of you, right? I mean, sometimes you one people, car's in front of you that makes a difference. I really think a lot at the end there. You're probably almost just hoping that the guys in front of you crash, you know, or or something opens up. That's um, gonna really be bad kind of, racing karma, I would think. Last yeah. last thing before I, I move the conversation <laughs> on, Bill, what did you think of Jeff Gordon in the in the booth? I thought he did a great job. Yeah, I, I like his sort of insights. He was a little quiet at times, but yeah, it's his second year, so yeah, um, I, I like him a lot. He he gets it. He has a he's he's a very you know Daryl Waltrip is hilarious. He's the Harry boogie, boogie, boogie guy, right? yeah, boogie, boogie, <laughs> the Harry Carey of uh, NASCAR. He's a lot of fun, but Gordon is, you know, he's raced with all these guys. He was, he's the guy who brought Jimmy Johnson into racing basically. So Gordon uh, is a, a lot of fun in the booth. I, I dig him. Michael Waltrip's great down on the track. I mean, all those guys, it's, it's a, it is a, it is a different sport, right? But uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to hockey. Um, Bill, your Lightning continue to stretch out their their lead, sixteen point lead now in the Atlantic, a, a, a crazy lead. Uh, New York Islanders with a five point lead, just once again, just chugging along, um, quite quietly, but five point lead. They 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 uh, shut out the Blue Jackets on our home ice. Um, although the Blue Jackets came back with a nice uh, five to two win last night over the Blackhawks in Chicago, always a great place to win. Um, and our team's been strong on the road. Um, out West, Winnipeg leads, um, and then Calgary and San Jose are tied in the uh, Pacific. I wanted to ask you guys about the Don Cherry uh, tweet I sent you guys today. What did you think of that, him kind of calling out the Carolina hurricane and their, and their post-game celebrations? Uh, you know, Don Cherry, very um, traditional, very, you know, traditional – as far as the game goes, non-traditional. Not that jacket, though. Oh my god! As far as yeah. his dress. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but what what did you think about his uh, his his ripping the Hurricanes for their post-game celebration? 
grumpy old man syndrome, grumpy old right? Canadian syndrome. Yeah. It, you know what? Well, I think it's, it's stupid. It's, they do it at home only after wins, right? Only after wins at and home. it's, you know, for at the fans home. that are still in the building, right? Perfect. It's perfect. It, it, it's, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Well, Shay, did you watch that tweet that, that uh, Sean sent out about that? I did. I did. What do you I, think? I like it. If you're only yeah. doing it at home, yeah. let them have some fun, right? Yeah. Have fun. And it's, it's creative. Did you watch some of the things they're doing? Oh, they're yeah. doing bowling. They're doing baseball. <laughs> they're doing, they're doing a race to, they're doing like a, uh, India, uh, Hawaii Five O race to the end of the ice. You know? I'd call it kayaking, but you can call it whatever you want. Because I saw <laughs> Hawaii Five O race. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's called an outrigger, but don't worry. <laughs> it's a kayak. They were kayaking, Sean. Well, <laughs> and, and there's a simple solution. I mean, we've all heard this in sports. Just turn don't it leave. off. Don't watch. Just, no, it. just don't. Don't lose if you're the other team, and then you don't have to worry about the, yeah. the celebration, right? The other team is in the, the other team's in the yeah. locker room. They're not even watching. It's not like they're doing it in front of it, them. You know? It's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like the Falcons fans this year, which I've grown, you know, I've lived here a long time, grown to love the Falcons, uh, but so many of the lifelong Falcons fan, which I wasn't, um, I was a transplant, but they're like, thank God, I don't care how bad that New Orleans call was. I didn't want the Saints coming into our <laughs> dome. And and I just don't understand that mentality. It's like, who who cares? You, we, you know, Falcons didn't make it, uh, yeah. but they took like pride. So I guess I was just, I didn't see the clip. I read about it. Just, uh, I, I know why you think that way. You know why you think that way. It's because you're an SEC guy. All three of you are SEC guys. And you like, <laughs> you just want the SEC to dominate. So you, it's been brainwashed into you for 25 years that, hey, SEC band together, everybody hates us. So one, <laughs> all for one, one for all. Well, and I think Shane might disagree with other sports. I think Shane might disagree with me. I think he was on the, the, the side of anyone but New Orleans to, be, to win the Super Bowl in Atlanta. <laughs> So. I, I was on the other side, but I'll tell you, Ty, and the reason I'm on the other side, New Orleans is one of my, New Orleans is my favorite city in this country. Like I love uh, it. It's, it's Vegas without rules. If you can imagine that. <laughs> but, <laughs> do not elaborate. Do oh. not. Bill is recording. Bill is recording. Look, I'm going to tell you, Shay, I, I've walked through on an early Sunday morning down through, you know, this, the, the French I've border, run through there, yeah. Bourbon street. It is not a good smelling yeah. place after yeah. till they, till they, till they power wash it. <laughs> But we cut you but off. If, if you go to New Orleans for a Saints Falcons game, yeah. it is the closest thing to an SEC rivalry that the NFL nice. has. Hmm. Interesting. And, and well, so it makes sense. It makes sense. You're yeah, in the South. Yeah. yeah. And so you carry that over. And I was a Falcon fan that says, "Man, I just I know I'll never hear the end of it. I got great friends from New Orleans, and I love the city. I love going down there. <laughs> but you'll never hear the end of it. Twenty-eight yeah. to three was already bad enough." But then, but then if they actually play in a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in the Falcon Stadium, they'll never live that down. <laughs> yeah, you know, Shay, that, that's a great analogy because we all know there's there's some great rivals. You know, obviously Packers, Bears, you know, Steelers, Browns. You know, there's some great rivalries. But the way you said it's the SEC rivalry of the NFL. That's that's really a, a great analogy because those two teams do dislike each other a lot. And those two cities. Sean, Sean, who pops in your head for Florida that that same way, where just the most miserable place to go as a as a Gator? Tennessee. Yep, I was going to say Tennessee is yeah. the worst. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah they, just, they do not roll off the red carpet. Let's just no, say they don't. They just and yeah. So if you meet Sean and I, we we look like the two, you know, least intimidating guys in the world, and guys are just bowing up to us. And we're like, dude, where's the beer? I mean, Old ladies are bowing up. Yeah, it's just you know. They're, We'll play, we'll play the game tomorrow. We'll share a beer afterwards. I mean, what's going on? Yeah, so. You're like you like rugby players. Beat the crap out of each other, but then hug it out with a beer. You're, you're the yeah. best. All right, let's let's uh, let's turn to the NBA. Uh, we're in the All Star break. We're actually uh, as we're recording this, the NBA All Star game's going on. Um, Don't tell me what's going on. I, I'm DVRing the game. <laughs> Todd, Todd, Todd has a parlay on this game. Yes, and the Oscars. No. Uh, so, hey, hey, easy on the Oscar talk. The game, the game's being held in Charlotte. I believe this is a makeup from two years ago after the uh, single bathroom. Uh, oh, is that right? Wow, is that right, Shay? Is that because they, they pulled, right, yeah. yeah they pulled the game a couple years ago. Um, they pulled it and moved it to New Orleans. Right. Okay. <laughs> so in the All Star um, weekend festivities, um, the famous Joe Harris wins the three-point uh, shooting contest he beats 
he beats Steph Curry. He's from the New Jersey Nets. Don't know anything else about him. And Hamadou Diallo wins the dunk contest um, <laughs> because he jumped over Shaquille O'Neal. Um, it was an impressive dunk. I'll give it that. I didn't watch a single thing. I watched it on the replays. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to turn off Bill and, and Todd's mic for a second and just, just go to our, let's, Wait, let's just go to our first, NBA. First I, I got to call you out. New Jersey Nets. Are we sure about that? Are they the Bro- Brooklyn Nets now? <laughs> I'm just thinking, I don't know. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. So but do you, Bill, do you know who Joe Harris is and where he went to school? Yeah, he won the three-point shooting contest. He's with the Brooklyn Nets, and he went to college in America. Yeah. <laughs> if you to give me a, a, a million guesses, I don't think Joe Harris would have come out of my mouth. No. Okay. <laughs> Joe Harris what went about, to what about uh, Hamadou Diallo? UVA, right? He went Joe where? Joe Harris was at UVA? Okay. At University of Virginia, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. All right, Shay, take over. Yeah. Talk NBA for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, I, I know I'm a broken record. I talk about the NBA being a soap opera. But just imagine this, right? So it's the NBA All-Star Game. It's played in Charlotte. The owner of the Charlotte Hornets is Michael Jordan. Oh, today's Michael Jordan's birthday, by the way. Mm. Also, <laughs> also, Charlotte is the home of the NASCAR Hall of Fame on the day of the Daytona 500, when it's NASCAR's biggest day. Like, the NBA, it's really strategic with their scheduling here and, and getting all different, all different people and all different demographics to kind of buy into it and watch it, even if it's just for a minute. Hmm. Um, I think Saturday night, the Saturday night festivities ratings will be a lot higher than the Sunday All-Star game. Um, Saturday night was was really cool. You had Steph Curry um, going against his brother Seth Curry in a three-point contest. Uh, you also had their father, Dale Curry, who uh, played for the Charlotte Hornets, come out and make a guest appearance there. So they did a lot of things <laughs> to kind of incorporate the, the old with the new. Um, Joe Harris, like you said, won a three-point contest. He was spectacular. I think he made like 10 in a row or 11 in a row on the final round. And then Hamadou Diallo um, combined two dunks, actually. He jumped over Shaquille O'Neal, which is a feat in itself. And then he finished with the elbow in the rim, a la Vince Carter from the 2003, and then ripped his jersey open and had the Superman on the inside of his chest, and that was Shaq's nickname when he played with Superman. Yeah. So, and was, I will say, Shay, I start to interrupt, but I will say he he cleared Shaq. He only touched his elbow, not for leverage, but just almost to just like to for a place to put his hand. He didn't he, he didn't use it to leverage over Shaq. He completely cleared Shaq. Yeah, I mean, he was awesome. He was awesome, and I think he was the dark horse in it. The dunk contest is not the dunk contest of old. You only had five contestants in it, but still. I mean, they put on a show, and it was it was entertaining to watch for a Saturday night if you didn't have much to do. So, <laughs> um, I think that's pretty much where we are right now. If you're watching the NBA All-Star Game, Todd, you can help me out on this. What's the over-under? Probably like 280. Oh, I'd say, is it 300? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably over 300. 306, yeah. maybe? Or, uh, I'll, look, I'll look it up while we're talking. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to guess like 306. Or 308, yeah. something like that. Yeah, That's but, amazing. That would be amazing. So um, the tip-off's about ready to happen. And you look at those two lineups, those two starting lineups, and it's insane. <laughs> it's the, it, what are the lineups, Bill? Start, well, I mean, on the, uh, for the West, or for the, sorry, for LeBron. It was LeBron, KD, Kawhi, uh, Kyrie, and someone else, I think. I have that right. I mean, it was crazy. And then <laughs> Giannis at Embiid and – uh oh no james harden was and then he had Kyrie. it was crazy it's just amazing so, so lebron's favored by four and a half team lebron the over under is drum roll please 315 and the hook <laughs> i'll take the over you know that hook's gonna, that hook's gonna get someone you know it it's gonna happen what does that mean explain what the hook means oh three and a half so yeah. i mean 315 and a half so they put they call it the hook so you there there, there are no ties or pushes yeah um, so okay. if it's if you bet the over and it goes to 315, the, the, the slang is, you, you know, the hook got you, or vice versa. If it was 316, you bet under. Uh, this will be one of Scott Van Pelt's bad beats later tonight. So. Right? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. All right, so, Shay, give us, give us your um, – let, let, let's use tonight then um, to look ahead to the end of the season. Where do you see trade deadlines passed? Nothing really shook out big time. We talked about that last week. Uh, you had some good insights on onto the few moves we did have. Um, where do you sort of see the the movement happening right now at this point in time? 
LA Lakers are 10th right now. Um, they are out of the playoffs. If we, if the season ended today, um, kind of, who do you, who do you look at to say these teams are going to just watch these teams to make some moves? Cause obviously clearly you have Toronto and Milwaukee in the East with Indiana and, and um, I believe Philly right now in, in fourth. And then in the West, you kind of have Golden State and Denver and uh, Portland and who's in third right now? Um, Houston? Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. So who would you say is, would, would be a team that we might want to watch and who's a team that you expect to be there at the end? Well, I think the East is most intriguing to me right now. I think you've got four legitimate contenders in the East, Milwaukee, Toronto, uh, Boston, and Philadelphia. I Ooh, think that what we'll find – well, without Victor Oladipo, I just don't think they have the, the star yeah. power or the firepower to kind of kind of see it through there. Um, but I think Milwaukee is a team to watch. I, I think that they're a team that could easily come out of the East. And actually seeing how the pieces gel in Philadelphia. They made huge moves at the trade deadline, and a lot of those guys are on expiring contracts. And is there enough basketballs to go around with ego guys? Like you talk about Golden State and, and all those guys play so well together, but most of those guys are locked in. And a lot of those guys don't have egos where you look in Philadelphia, a guy like Embiid and um, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. A lot of those guys are their contracts coming up either this year or within the next two years. And so they kind of want the ball in their hands so they can pad their stats because that, that pads their wallets at the end of the day. So that'll be interesting to watch. Can they put their egos aside and come together for the betterment of the team to advance out of the East? Okay. And how about at West? Your, your trailblazers have a chance? You know, the, the trailblazers made two key moves. Um, they're not key. They're not, uh, they're not just flashing, breaking news to everyone else in the league, but the trade for Rodney Hood, and they also signed Enos Cantor. Um, to a veteran's minimum on the buyout market, which was huge for us um, because Enos Cantor had his druthers to choose from two or three teams in the West, one of them being the Los Angeles Lakers, who wanted them extremely bad, and he chose Portland over all those teams. Um, so he adds a lot of depth at the center position for us. I think Portland is at a position now where they can go nine, if not ten deep. Um, at that four seed, I wouldn't be surprised to see them move up into the third seed. And I think this may be the year they make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Nice. Okay. And do you see the Lakers making the playoffs? Um, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Honestly, I don't see the Lakers getting in. But, you know, LeBron's never missed the playoffs, so I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. You talk about a surprise team in the West, though. The Sacramento Kings are sitting in ninth place right now. I think the Kings get in the playoffs, and I think the Kings could definitely shake things up once they get in the playoffs as well. Wow. Okay. Sacramento and, and Golden State, only about, uh, what, 60 miles apart? Yeah, that's, uh, that's not a lot of travel there, is it? No. So, <laughs> that could be a little – you know, that could be one of those ones where, where Sacramento – if that happens, Sacramento comes in, comes in with nothing to lose, might as well get physical, right? Might as well um, uh, make a play. Let's actually – speaking of getting physical, let's talk about that last game of the of – the, uh, before the All-Star break uh, where – Portland hosted Golden State. Uh, Steve Kerr, a little electric in that game. Uh, there was a little physical um, aspect to that game uh, with some of the not, – not some of the stars, but obviously Draymond Green. If you're, if you're going to talk about any type of altercation, Draymond Green was involved in it, right? You know, Dr Draymond gets a bad rap. I'm not a Draymond Green fan by any means, but he gets a bad rap as – you know, he's got 18 technicals on the year, and you think that he's always involved in something. But that's his role. His role is to be an enforcer on that team, and his role is, is similar to hockey. He takes up – or baseball even – he takes up for the stars, and so they don't have to fight those battles. They can focus on what they do best. And he plays his role to perfection, but sometimes he gets – I mean, the officials kind of Draymond bias or warrior bias, and he gets calls that he's that – he, didn't necessarily deserve. He was called for a flagrant foul, which was to everyone in the arena. Even Portland fans thought it was a common foul. And Bad call, uh, yeah. Steve Kerr just goes livid. He breaks a clipboard and he just goes livid and gets ejected uh, from the game. But he's taken up for one of his guys, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good coaching. I really did. Um, you know, not gonna not gonna affect anything. Um, 
Anything else in the NBA, guys? I want to I want to jump to the NCAA if if, if we're going on it. I'll give you one last thing. Yeah. Steve, Steve Kerr, or Steve Kerr, help me out here. Steph Curry almost completed a behind the back alley oop, just Ooh. a little bit off. <laughs> oh, behind the back, up to the yeah. up to, to the rim. To, to Giannis, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm sorry, I got I got to look away from the television. So, nice. so you know the, we're the getting over, the over under on personal fouls, by the way, is four for the whole. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> Hey, so you, you know we're getting old. Um, help me out, Chase. Uh, Steph's brother. Is it Seth? Seth. Seth Curry. Seth Curry. He got engaged to Doc Rivers' daughter, believe it or not. So, Wow. Good, good for him, man. Good yeah, for Todd. Um, good for Todd being the TMZ of the uh, stare down, keeping us up to date. When Doc Rivers' daughter is old enough to get married to Seth Curry, I'm like, gosh, you know, time's passing by, right? It's crazy. Right. Can you just uh, imagine the amount of ballers in that family? When your father's uh, Dale Curry – you're you're married to Doc Rivers' daughter. Oh, and let's not forget the mom in the family, Miss Curry. She's actually, Olympian, right? She, yeah, she she's an Olympian, <laughs> and she makes a half court shot doing the uh, the Rising Star game of the All Star Challenge. Like, <laughs> wow! Hey, real quick, do I remember um, Del Curry just being an average NBA player? I mean, I know he had a good th- he had a good three point. He was a three point specialist, but. Um, I don't know, Steph. He wasn't a star, but he wasn't a scrub either, right? Right. Like he was just just a good average, maybe six man kind of type of player. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. He he's, might the, have won he's, the, he's the all time leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets. So right? <laughs> over, yeah. Rex, over Rex wow. Chapman. Rex Chapman. The guy that went to Grandma. Grandma Larry. Yeah, wow. Larry Johnson. Wow. All right. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. Never mind. Now, Dell went to where? UVA? Where did he? Or Virginia Tech? Where where Dell go to college? Virginia I, Tech I for Dell. Uh, Seth went to Duke. Seth went to Duke. Yeah, Dell, he was at Virginia Tech. Dell was at Virginia. Steph was at Raymond. Davidson. Or, uh, Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's actually Davidson. let's turn mm-hmm. let's turn to NCAA. Um, this week we saw the number one team go down. Uh, Tennessee lost a big one to Kentucky last last night. Um, really was never in the game. Kentucky played about as good as you've seen them play, although they kind of, um, you know, had that five-minute stretch at the end where it got to about, a, uh, I think it got down to nine points. But um, really, they, they kind of dominated um, They dominated Tennessee. With all due respect to Gonzaga and Nevada, we're at a point in the season where if the season ended today, you'd have two SEC teams as number one seeds, and you'd have two ACC teams as number one seeds, Virginia and Duke. and and Tennessee and Kentucky, and I don't think you could argue those for if that happened. But um, the season doesn't end today. I do want to talk about what you guys are seeing. Uh, Duke will probably elevate to number one. Uh, they they beat NC, NC State, um, and they've well, looked good. Obviously, and who else? Who else did they beat this? They beat North Carolina. They beat North Carolina this week. Uh, and who else right before that? No, Virginia? no, no, no. They no, didn't no, beat North Carolina. No. They played Virginia and no, went down no. twenty three. Uh, Louisville. Louisville. I'm sorry, down yeah, Louisville down twenty. Yeah, that was, that was a, 19, were, Frank Louisville. Did you see, they were down nine with nine twenty three left on the clock. And down. ESPN does that statistic where it's like percentage win chance. Yeah. 99.2% chance winning. 99.2% chance winning for Louisville. And Duke comes back to win that game 71 69. Yeah. And by um, the way, the, my favorite part of that game was the text from my wife in the morning mm-hmm. going, How about that Duke comeback? Because I was down south. So I wasn't here, and she watched it herself. Wow! Nice. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. guys. I got a buddy. I got a buddy in Louisville that was actually at that game. I know you guys aren't you guys aren't Game of Thrones fans, right? No. But I'm texting him down the stretch, and he says, he says, Shay. He said at about the six minute mark, Coach K stood up, and he he looked like the Night King in game of thrones kids like the, the expression on their face just changed and they just took off they just started trapping everything they just took off because like it was incredible as soon as Dad. coach k stood up it was it was it was a done deal um <laughs> after the game they interviewed zion williamson and uh they asked zion and they said you know well what was the coach k said to you guys and he said he looked us in the eyes and said, losers <laughs> and so they went out and they won the game wow <laughs> Yeah, wow. yeah, Bill, Bill, Todd wasn't with us last week, but remember yeah. last week when, when Shay said, I don't think Coach K coaches anymore? I just <laughs> think he's there. I think that might have been said. 
Yeah, All of a thanks. sudden, yeah, I think I think Shay said that, and I, and and you know, I just once again, I you garbled a little bit there, Shay, on your on your feed. Uh, you know, for Coach K to look at those guys and say, "I don't coach losers, I coach winners." You know, like just, what a just a just a statement move, just a mic drop, right? I think I think uh, one of the assistant coaches listens to the stare down and called Coach K out with Shay's comment, <laughs> and so Coach K had to do a little better. <laughs> Yeah, right. So thank you for that, Shay. Could you could you say something right before the tournament too? Let's fire him up for me. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about a few other, a few other teams that I, I want to talk about. Um, hey, Gonzaga and Nevada are both playing some really good basketball. I mean, double-digit double digit wins all over the place. Um, Gonzaga's only lost two. Nevada's only lost one. Uh, Shay, you've been on Nevada's jock all year long. Um, these are two teams that no, I, I don't think no matter what happens – I guess, I guess if if Gonzaga or I'm sorry if Duke or or someone else loses another one, Gonzaga could probably slip into that one seed. Um, but these are teams that are probably going to both have two seeds, although both deserve to be in the West. So you might see a one versus two. I I think the committee will try and do that. They'll try and put those two teams in the West as one two, so that so that you know they they don't they give them some respect, but they're going to make one of those two teams prove to themselves to get out. Wouldn't Wouldn't you agree with that, Shay? That they both deserve in the a spot in the West, but to ship one of those to the East as a two seed mm. will almost be a, uh, a charity move type thing, right? I, I don't, I don't see it happening. I think they'll both be in the West. The only case I see where they're not both in the West is if um, Gonzaga had two close games this week. Uh, if they kind of trip up or have a few more close games, I could see them going to the Midwest as a number one seed, possibly. Yeah. Well, and right now the Midwest, Kentucky wouldn't mind being a two seed in the Midwest because that first first round games are in Louisville at the Yum Center. Mm-hmm. So Kentucky, as much as you want a one seed, there are sometimes strategic moves to get, you know, you're trying to get to Minneapolis. You're trying to get to the Final Four. Um, so, you know, Virginia, Carolina is, you know, playing good. Um, they're, you know, Michigan State had a kind of a ho-home game against Ohio State today, but they won. Um, you know, there's the, the next couple of weeks get, get kind of fun. We're three weeks from the league championships. I, I do want to bring up really quick. Did you guys happen to see the, the uh, tweet I sent you with Matt Painter's uh, post-game press conference after the Purdue game? I loved what he was saying. You know, that is the epitome of coaching. Is Matt Painter one of the top 10 coaches you think of nationally? Probably not. But that soundbite of him pretty much naming every kid on his team uh, and, and spotlighting one little thing that they do uh, to make their team a top 15 team was, I thought it just a great soundbite. Uh, you know, when you, when you hear all the, you know, just the rigmarole of, of sports and, and politics. And I just thought that was a good soundbite. Any, any thoughts from you guys on what, what that, what he said? I, I, I thought it was I great. Seen it I, thought it, I haven't seen it yet, but I trust you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to look, look out for it now. So. Yeah, I thought it was great. Painter did a good job of just identifying by name each player and what they do. And that means a lot for a player to get their recognition, too. And that means a lot for up-and-coming recruits, knowing that they're going to get that recognition from their coach as well. Yeah, he went like 10 guys. He went to the bench. He went to some of the guys. That he, he talked about their their effort and practice, you know, makes them better. And uh, I, 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 Shay, I was, I, was, I was listening to him. I was just thinking, like, Man, that's just a that's a recruiter's dream right there to have him mention kids that might not be a star, but but will go and have a presence on the team. I mean, he's he was mentioning guys that average two and a half to three minutes a game, and mm. talking about what they contribute in practice and how they contributed to preparing for this game, and that the time is coming. Like that's encouraging for a 17, 18 year old kid who's trying to decide where he wants to go to school. Yeah. You know, I've known high school coaches that have done the same thing, right? Um, like Kev's golf coach, the ability to find that one thing about everybody and talk about everybody. Um, huge. It's, it's a, it's, it's a great example of leadership. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Guys, right. before we get off college basketball real yes. quick, um, Monday night, <clears throat> big Monday, you got Virginia, Virginia tech. Doesn't sound like a big game, but Virginia tech is one of those teams that's kind of on the bubble. And yeah. that would be huge for them to upset Virginia at home. Also, Michigan State, um, their star player just suffered an injury that may be season long. That will impact how they fare in the tournament. And Wednesday night, I'm calling my shot right now. Carolina beats Duke in Cameron. Ooh. No. I like it. Get out of here. <laughs> no. So, 
So I remember big Mondays uh, at UF. Remember big I do. Mondays? We used to, yes, in the Mallard Lounge, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, t- we'll tell you offline. Nothing, nothing too bad happened. But it was all right. Fun. Shake all's a shot. Carolina over Duke. Uh, and then that, se- then that means if they're playing in Cameron, that means the season ends uh, a few Saturdays from now or Sundays from now with a game in the Dean Dome, right? Well, there'll be a, there'll be a third meeting. There usually yeah, is. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, let's talk golf. Uh, boy, it was a crazy, crazy week, Bill, in Los Angeles at the Genesis Open. Um, Tigers tournament, uh, you know, kind of a almost a backdoor Tiger tournament. It's going to be starting next. It'll be one of the few, the, the third invitational on the PGA Tour along oh. with I like your take on that because you're 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 from Jack's hometown, and yeah. the memorial has been a very special. Memorial's been invitational forever. Arnie, and then, Arnie's you know, is incredibly special. Do you feel like it's more manufactured for Tiger? Has he earned it? What's what do you think? Uh, has he earned it? I mean, obviously, just from from a record standpoint, yes. Right, right. Um, and he is a generational player. No, I mean, no doubt, he is the, he is the next generation's Jack or, or Arnie. You know, right. Arnie and Jack. Um, so I, I think, but it's just weird. Like, you know, they tried to manufacture like the AT&T one for him in DC and that didn't really work out with congressional and those, all those courses kind of jumping around. Hey, look, if it worked for him, it's just, it's weird. Cause he's never dominated on that track. He's never won on that track. Right. Arnold won the Bay Hill. Uh, Jack won Muirfield twice. Um, it's just weird that they like, I don't know. Um, he grew up in LA. I mean, so he grew yeah. up in LA. No, he, 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 he look. Uh, Earl wasn't a wealthy man. He didn't grow up playing Riviera. He was never a member there. <laughs> right, but, right. But he grew up in L.A. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it, so it does make sense. It does make sense. And and look, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but fast forward 25 years from now, I can picture Tiger sitting up on the hillside yep. in a rocking chair watching the kids, you know, come off the 18th green where the players come up and shake his hand. Yep. We, we saw Byron Nelson and, and Ben Hogan at yep. you know, Colonial. And, and Jack still does now in, in Muirfield, which – seems so commonplace for me because I live here and I've been to that tournament, you know, literally that course 50 times, you know, um, and at some point in time, you know, if Jack passes away and Barbara, you know, his wife, you know, continues the tradition like, like Ben's or like uh, Byron Nelson's wife did for a long time. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, um, I think it's fitting. Yeah. So I, I do Bill think it's fitting. I do. I also think it's kind of almost a manufactured, thing but maybe that's good because tiger's kind of not the person who would raise his hand and say let's do this right right thank you right hey, what course would be phil's course tory pines in san diego it could be tory or it could be in the desert because could he, be in the desert yeah he lived in phoenix for a long time before waste he management would be a, you know he's one waste management he that would be a fun one for him yeah. um you know um, God, it could be pebble with his record there but that's in uh that's, yeah that, too far from home yeah is it yeah yeah, yeah. And, and Pebbles, Pebbles not a spot that needs um, an ambassador. Pebbles not a spot that needs, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they still got Bing Crosby. They're talking about for that, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right? So let's talk about this. Uh, J.D. Holmes wins his his fourth, fourth or fifth. So, so he won for it. This was his fifth tour win. Um, he battles and and beats J.T. Um, Justin Thomas, who had a five stroke lead eleven hours ago. Um, <laughs> it was. Literally, it was a weird round because they, they, they got off to a start on Thursday. Rains came in. They did – really, Bill, I think probably, what, only three other times on the tours happened in the last 20 years where they had a round start. They got players on the field, and then they scrapped the, end, the first round and said, we're going to start completely over. In about eight hours when the weather clears yeah, up. Yeah, almost right. later that day hours. at 4 o'clock. Yeah. So they backed everybody up. They said, start over again. So the, the players, I think the furthest player had been on the fourth or fifth hole. They started them back on one. Um, they knew they weren't going to finish the round. I mean, it, it, immediately that becomes a logistical nightmare to try and figure out, okay, so if we start now, how many holes can these guys get in? So some players literally didn't even start their round on, on their first round until Friday. Right. Which meant some people were playing, I think the most player, I think, played 34 holes, they said um on some days yeah and so the second round didn't end until saturday the third round didn't end until today around noon or one o'clock right yeah the the fourth round happened today jb holmes wins it um really it was a battle of attrition at the end there i mean these these guys were tired um it's a big tournament it's a it's a it was a great field but boy in a a really tough course in a you know um with really Wind, demand 30 mile an hour winds they think about this because i i'm talking to someone in atlanta columbus and portland where you're not well you know cold 
<laughs> cold's a lot different. And, but that I know exactly the cold they were talking about. Towards the end of the day, it is a, a dark, bitter, like bone wet, chilling cold. wet, bone chilling cold, right? Because you're on the coast, those winds are howling in. The temperatures were probably in the low 50s. And the, and the wind chill probably was like high 40s. That doesn't sound like much, but it wears you out. And especially, I mean, these guys are in shape, relatively good shape. Um, but that's a lot of work. And it showed everybody's golf. Nobody, nobody finished strong. Uh, I take that back. One, one person had some kind of a, oh, Mark Leishman. But then he ended up, yeah. you know, screwing up the last two holes. So it's, it's, a, it's a weird, you go, it's Southern California. How can it be cold? Man, when that sun gets low on the horizon, it disappears. It is a, a 15 degree drop. I don't know if you ever, do you experience this where you live where if you're walking through a valley, that you hit warm spots and cold spots. That happens in Southern California all the time. You're walking someplace and all of a sudden it gets really cold. And then all of a sudden you walk another hundred yards and it kind of warms up 10 degrees. And I know that's exactly what they were going through uh, hmm. down there on Mount, in Malibu. So Justin Thomas goes 190 holes without a three putt. <laughs> and, and then, then the graphic a, came up. Then within a five <laughs> hole stretch, yeah. he misses five putts inside of eight feet. Uh, three putts three times and four putts once. They're mentally exhausted. That was good. That yeah. is, and did he play at AT&T? Because they did the same thing up there. They were just thrashed by weather. Yeah. And it was tough. It was a tough two weeks on tour. Like for Phil, Phil to win. First of all, him to win it. But, yeah. but he, you could tell he was wiped out. Jordan Spieth. And, he, and he knows, and Phil knows he's got to go next week to right. defend. Yeah. In, and Jordan, Spieth, Jordan Spieth shot 81 today. 81. Uh, and, Scott, and Phil Scott, and 77. Phil? Bill Jordan Spieth shot 81, parring the last eight holes. He exactly. made an eight on number 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. He, he was, he was uh, nine under starting the round and finished plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Rory played good. Tiger, Tiger yesterday morning, well, that was fun, right? When Tiger started the third round and he started birdie, eagle, birdie, birdie. Yeah. Um, I called my son up out of the basement. I'm like, you got to come up and watch Tiger, what he's doing. And Oh, you jinxed it because he parred the next eight holes. <laughs> <laughs> the carpenter exactly. factor. Damn yeah. it. Damn it, but it was a, It was a good, you know, star-studded tournament. Uh, really the only two top players in the top ten, Kepka and Justin Rose, weren't there. Right. Um, but um, we got one tournament in Mexico, then they, then they hit the Florida swing. Um, and don't forget, the PGA or the uh, TPC is coming up in a few weeks. It really is only – Literally a month away. Well, they, I, you saw that graphic if you were watching the tournament. You know, it starts in, in March, right? You got the players, then you got the Masters, then you got the PGA, then you got the U.S. Ooh. Open, you got, the, you got the, the British Open, and then you've got the playoffs all ending in August. It is a, a wonderful six-month stretch for golf. And then wow. they're all done. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, should be, should be really fun. So um, I'll be reporting live from the PGA Championship. You knew that, right? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll no. send, you, send you live updates. I'm taking to, oh, that's right. You're going to, to it's Beth Page, right? Beth Page. We're going to be there for the Wednesday practice round and the opening round on Thursday. So Very cool. Beth Page Black, right? I, I've been there. I stood at the first tee, yes. It, like a ski slope. It has a, a, a sign that says, this course is for good players. You know, weak players should not be here. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a public track, right? It's a public yeah. course. Right. It is public, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, well, yeah. Kevin and I played that a couple of years ago. Um, he had the back nine of his life there. It was a lot of fun. So shot 39 on the back at the, at the wow. black. So. Do, we need to talk, uh, do we need to mention Kucher or is uh, his apology? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's bring that up because um, – Jay, did you follow this a little bit? You heard about Kucher getting hammered? I did not. Okay, this is good. <laughs> Bill, why don't you set up – yeah. I'll, I'll kind of talk about his, his apology. Cooch is at the Mayakoba last year at the end. Of, it's, it's, it's this year's tournament, but it was in 2018. He, his regular caddy can't make the trip down to Mexico. So he hires a local caddy. Guys do this. You might've heard. Yeah, I heard that guys do this. He cuts a deal with the guy. He's give you 3,500 bucks for the week. The guy already lives there. So there's no expenses. And the guy's very happy to carry his bag. They don't really talk about anything else. And Cooch hasn't won in four years. Well, Cooch goes on to win the tournament. Uh, typical caddy, Associate, you know, when you have an association, a relationship with a caddy, the typical split is 10% of the winnings, which had been 130,000. Yep, he won 1.3 mil. He won 1.3. And so what, 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 uh, what he ended up doing was like basically just emptying his wallet of cash and it came up to about 5,000. He just handed the guy the 5,000. He goes, here, thanks a lot. And uh, the, the players knew about it and there was, it's, it took forever to come out to the press, right? It was months before we heard about it. But the caddy was kind of having, having some conversations, and he really felt stiffed. And, and a lot of players, when asked about it, just said that um, 
you, <laughs> that Kutcher has notoriously short T-Rex alligator arms when it comes to getting into that wallet. He doesn't reach very Really? Deep. He's pretty cheap. Yeah. Well, he's got like <laughs> six kids. He's got a lot. <laughs> he's got a lot of college. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that was. But then the result, there was a result this week, Sean, that I think you want to talk about that. Well, yeah. well, he answered a question I think got him even more trouble. And Sean, I don't know if you want to address it, but they asked him, they said, you know, what do you think? And he said, for a guy who normally makes $200 a day, he made 5000 for me. So I'm not going to lose much sleep. 5000 for the week. I'm pretty good with that. Yeah, that's what yeah he, he goes, I'm not going to lose any sleep. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you one last piece. Uh, I heard, do you hear the caddy that's, uh, his name is, I think it's Mike Johnson, Mike something. He's a, He's the caddy reporter on ESPN. He was a caddy for 10 years. He does reporting for, and he has a podcast for ESPN on golf. And he said the common number, he went up and down the range at Pebble Beach and said, what should Cooch have paid the guy? What should he have paid him? And you know what the average number was? 50,000. 50, that had yeah. been the appropriate number to pay him. Because he's not a, he wasn't his caddy, his regular it's caddy. To, but 50, than, 50 is the right number. So Sean, how did it play out this week? Well, you know, Cooch, Cooch came out and, you know, I don't know if that statement was written by Cooch. It was, it came out between rounds one and two, a uh, <laughs> lot of slow time on the, on the telecast. Um, I thought Nick Faldo and I thought the guys, Terry Gannon, I thought they were fair to Cooch. I don't think they, they threw under the bus. I think they basically read the statement. Coocher, you know, it was very politically written. You know, I read the statement. It made me cringe when I, when I heard what I said, I didn't mean it that way, but I've made it right with the caddy. You know, and so whether he paid him the one point, you know, one hundred thirty thousand, they paid him. Who knows what he paid him? He 50. paid him fifty. Fifty. Paid him fifty. Okay, yeah, so, so that's the number. So he did. He did make it. He did make it right. Yeah, and here's the question um, that I had, and I, I was talking with my son Ryan. Do you think Kucher paid him fifty thousand? You think Kucher's sponsors paid Sketcher, fifty thousand? Getcher sold a bunch more shoes. Is that what you're saying? Because because here's the thing, um, they don't want fans around the country just heckling Kucher. The entire year and players that play with Kucher don't want to have to just hear people, you know, look, he, the great, the great thing about where he's at is that people boo him. They think they're saying Cooch, you know, so it, you'll, it works never, out. you'll never know. <laughs> yeah. it, so it kind of works out perfectly for, for Kucher, but look, he's a fan favorite. He's a good guy. He's never really been a problem. Uh, okay. So he's frugal. So he's cheap, you know, but there's not a fan in the audience that can, that can say, you should have paid him more and they, they would be willing to write the check. You know, I mean, if, if you're, if you're going to heckle someone at a golf tournament, you're probably not, you know, um, in a position to uh, tell Cooch what he should have done, but you know, I, 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 I accept the apology after I read it. sounds like yeah. he, he realized he stubbed his toe. It's not, not Made a mistake. Deal. I mean, yeah, his yeah. The lifetime earnings sponsorship money, I think it's pushing 47 million. <laughs> He's not going to miss the 50 K. Um, yeah. By the it'll, way, it'll be okay. uh, update, quick update on the game with 10:45 left in the second quarter. Right, we're just into the second quarter. Let they, me get my abacus out. They, they, they've they've hit 100 points total. <laughs> 60, <laughs> 50, 50 or something that, like that. Yeah. That 315 over is looking good. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Let's let's uh, hit hit the end here. Let's let's talk uh, kind of Bill for you. It's a it's a five word statement that you know means spring is coming. Uh, I know what Pitchers and catchers report. Uh, pitchers and catchers report. That's four, but that's okay. Four, yeah. Yeah, P and C. Yeah. Some syllables. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a pretty uh, – it doesn't mean much to most of the country. Obviously, it's just, you know, hot stove league. It's, it's fun to talk about. But um, what does this time of year mean for you, having been through it, what, how many years with the Padres where – you had to start thinking now about when pitchers and catchers report, it starts getting serious, right? Oh, yeah. It started getting serious for us when we got back from the winter break because we always had the, the holidays off. We started back on January 2nd, and that's when uh, everything kicked in. Remember, we'd already invoiced season ticket holders as soon as the season ended. <laughs> so it never really <laughs> it never really stopped. But, uh, yeah, pitchers and catchers report was cool. We, that's, for me um, – you know, it, it meant that we were that much closer to going on sale with tickets. It, it meant that we were trying to see what uh, what we were going to get ready to kind of roll out that year. What are going to be some of the things we we're going to do and from a marketing point of view. But it was definitely uh, a fun time of the year. And uh, what is the point of, and I'll be the naive sports fan here, what is the point of pitchers and catchers getting there two to three weeks before um, 
because you know you got to take care the catchers are only there because the pitchers are there that's that's <laughs> the first reason but uh but pitchers had to get there early for a couple things one they go through a different workout routine uh what they're doing with their arm is so unnatural and so crazily uh destructive to any tissues that you have connecting your elbow you know your, your they connect your upper arm to your lower arm that they go through a little more regimen a little more workout they've got to get the work in uh, they they also do their their uh, cardio and do all the other things. If you call it cardio, they jog from one foul line to the other. It's not, it's not much cardio, but uh, yeah, it's uh, that that's the whole point. So they get there about a week ahead of time, and then the position players show up uh, because then the pitchers are in better shape and ready to start throwing BP and starting all that that whole process. So uh, that's it. That's the only reason. All right. So two players that we're not sure where they're going to report to spring training. Let's talk about the two big names, the two yeah. big game uh, players out there right now, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, not necessarily in that order, probably Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, to be honest. Um, but both players looking to probably sign a 10-year deal. Um, right now, a couple teams, in, uh, Manny Machado met for a second time with the, with the Padres, Bill. I don't know if that gets any, any hair to stand up on the back of your uh, neck. It's uh, if they're using them as a bluff. Um, the, yeah. Phillies, the Phillies you hear on every story with, with Bryce Harper. Yeah. Uh, and and with Manny Machado, what what's your thoughts on where those two guys go, and or do they go back? Is there any chance Harper goes back to the Nationals? I think the big deal here, I think the bigger story is not where they're going. Why is it taking so long? It's more like a collusion 3.0 is here, right? We had the first session back in the oh, late 80s. Uh, Major League Baseball paid a steep price for that. They they were threatened with antitrust you know violations and all kinds of stuff. It happened again in the early 2000s where they, you know, they decided that this is kind of where that, you know, Billy ball came in, right. About that time, mm -hmm. Moneyball, you know, with Billy yep. Bean. And you had this, this thought process. And a lot of the, a lot of the sabermetrics guys start kicking it in and they say that, you know, there's one truism in baseball that young players get better and old players get older. And, and when you're paying, <laughs> when you're paying Bryce Harper, who's 25, I think when you're going to pay him till he's 35, you're guaranteed to be giving him a shit ton of money when he is not going to be as productive and you're going to be paying him the most at the end of the deal. It's back so, end loaded, right? Yeah, they're, they're so tired of that. They've, you know, you think about it, guys, like there's a real famous, uh, we talked about him every year. We talk about the guy, uh, Bernie, no, the guy, the guy at the uh, Yankees of the Mets, Bobby Bonilla. Is it oh, Bobby? Yeah, yeah. Bobby? oh yeah. 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 Who's being paid, paid money till 2025 or something. He's all, they're almost done paying him. And he ended, he stopped in the nineties. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So I think that the basically baseball players are trying to say, Hey, we're trying to be smarter with our money. And you've got players who are best in the game saying, you want to be better with your money. Now you're not paying me. Uh, and it looks, it just has a, once again, bad optics, right. For, um, for, for fans, yeah. For, for, for the fans and for NLB in general, because they've paid this money for years and years and years to these players. And now they're all deciding at the same time to stop paying it. That doesn't sound good. That sounds like kind of a, we got together and we're going to stop screwing each other by outbidding on these players. Can't do that. If you do that, um, then you, there's going to be some antitrust issues and it could change the, the entire way yeah. that it's structured. So, but yeah, it's probably much, probably much like the, uh, the Browns signing um, Kareem Hunt. Uh, someone's going someone's gonna to blink. Someone's going to blink and just say, ah, yeah. I know we all said we weren't going to sign him to this big money, but we're going to sign him, right? Yeah, and I think that's what Harper and Machado are holding out for, that someone will do that, right? right? We'll see. We'll see. You referenced football. I think the Broncos were the first um, that just didn't re-sign all their <clears throat> stud running backs, right? Yeah. They, <laughs> the running back near 30, why are we going to re-sign them? Yeah. Uh, right. Bill, yeah, who's, the big, who's the big free agent that kind of broke the levy? And, and Shay, I'll refer to oh, you. I, I, think, you. I, think, I think Kevin Garnett was the NBA. I think he was the first $100 million contract, if I remember correctly. Well, that's, that's really breaking the bank. But I'll go back to Dave Winfield, who was the yeah. first guy to sign a 10-year deal. Ten years. The Padres, no, yeah, Padres, ten years for ten million. Wow, one million a year for ten years. That was He's his poor. Deal. He's poor. <laughs> from, the, from the Padres to the Yankees, right? Yep, the Yankees signed him to a ten-year deal. That was the very first wow. one of those, and that that started this whole process. Because then, if you want to talk about the next big one, it comes out of the, the Pacific Northwest. Because when A Rod signed for that massive, yeah, two hundred fifty million. That, that was the when one. You from the, when you from the Mariners to the, to the Rangers. Rangers. Yeah, yeah, that was which the Yankees ended up paying most of that. Most of that deal. Absolutely. When they picked him up. Yeah. Cause they, he was only with the Rangers for three or four years before <clears> he <throat> shipped up North. So th that was probably the big one in baseball. And then since then you got guys like Pujols, 
they're just making all this money at the end of the contract and they're just I don't say they're worthless, but they're not anywhere. Half the player they used to be, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know um, how you fix that problem in baseball, but it's like, I'm going to get my money, right? Because I, I, I did these four years or five years and I was one of the top players in the game and I was making, you know, not the minimum, but I had a special, they gave me some kind of a kickback or a little bit of a deal, a little bit of a contract, but it wasn't enough. But now that I'm outside of that six years of team control, yeah. think about that six years now I'm going to get my money and you're already 25, 26, 27, your best year. But statistically, you know what the best year of a, a major league baseball player is? Right. 22, 27, not 27. Oh. After 27, if you look at all the numbers, generally it's going to start a slow decline. Some guys may hang in there a little longer, but it's not going to get better unless you're, sure. unless, you're Barry, unless you're Barry Bonds and you Shay's got help in. from Balco. Shay's <laughs> in. Sorry, Shay. Guys, guys, did you guys see, um, who was it? Trevor Bauer? Was it Trevor Bauer? <laughs> Came out this this yeah. week and said that the MLB should just go to one year contracts for everyone. Well, <laughs> It'll solve the problem. Did you see what happened with him? He went to arbitration, right? And he said he said it was okay for the first. It was okay at the beginning because he was asking thirteen. They offered eleven million. And he gets you going through it. And he says the last ten minutes was a character assassination. I don't even know those guys that were talking about me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they say arbitration's brutal, isn't it, Bill? They just yeah. uh, oh, look, you, off, right? and then you got to just walk out your hand, shake your hands, and go, "Hey, don't worry about it. Let's go play ball. Let's go win a <laughs> let's go win a, a pennant." Okay. Well, so let's so let's finish. Twenty seven. Sean, when famous musicians die and baseball players get worse, right? So, that's it. Right. That's it. <laughs> so let's finish with a good story before we go around the horn and finish up the episode. Bill, you you were going to share this last week, and we we didn't really get to it until we went off the air. Um, Todd was on the boat already. Um, share a baseball story with us on on someone who a legend, a, a true legend, a Hall of Famer, um, an icon icon in the game. Frank Robinson passed yeah. away. Last yeah, look, look, Frank Robinson was, you know, first of all, you know, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in baseball, but Frank Robinson was early in that game too. He was in the sure. first, uh, and then first black of, manager, whether first black manager, first player to win a MVP and only player to win in both leagues, MVP. And what position did he play? I know he's an Oriole. What did he play? Outfielder. <clears throat> Outfielder. Yep. And so Brooks, Frank, Brooks, no relation was the third baseman, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. 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 So Frank, and Brooks is white. So yeah. <laughs> good call. So, Some things you just, Go and said, but go ahead. <laughs> so Frank, so Frank, Frank was uh, he was amazing, right? And he ended up managing many different teams over the years. But my one of my baseball stories, my wife would always surprise me with a trip when I worked for the Padres around for my birthday, and uh, it was in August. And so one of the, this trip was to Boston, and so mm -hmm. we're in Boston. Uh, we're at, we went to a couple Sox games. I have access, so I, I had press passes. I go down on the field. I walk out and touch the green monster you know, before they hit for batting practice. Then I stand behind the cage. And then I decided to go up to the press box and hang out and just kind of get a view of the field from the press box. And sitting, you know, the press box is tiered. Sitting right below me talking to one of the Boston sports writers is Frank Robinson. So that's when you become a fly on a wall and you sit there very quietly and you just listen to this guy share stories about Ebbets Field, about you know, Forbes, all these different places he played ball in back when he first started and just sharing stories about, uh, you know, baseball in the fifties and sixties. And I just sat there for half an hour, just not saying a word, which is what you do in a press box anyways, if you're really not supposed to be there, just sit there super quiet. So nobody's kicking <laughs> you off. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it, it was just fun to listen to him because he had that reputation of being kind of grumpy. I never, I didn't see that. I saw him talking to a close friend who was a writer and uh, I just, it was awesome. So. Uh, my, my my Frank Robinson story. That's it. Just got to eavesdrop. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. Kind of cool. Well, guys, good conversation. Once again, it, it seems like the, the the weeks where there doesn't seem like there's any big stories, we have so many little stories to talk about. It it, it fills up fills up the time. Uh, Shay, what do you got coming up this week? The second half of the NBA season starts. Um, I guess as you probably have some uh, some games or some concerts coming up. What's going on? Yeah, no games. Um, no home games for the remainder of the month. Um, wow. Yeah. We're, uh, trip, we're, huh? Yeah, unfortunately. Or I should say fortunately. We were so heavy at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the year, that we're able to relax a little bit now, focus on renewals and just um, making sure that we're taking care of people. So that's, that's just our focus for the next few weeks. Good. Todd, what about uh, you, man? You're back to work after a week away. Oh, Shay, you want to get something else in there? 
Oh, no, I was just going to give you an all-star update. Dirk Nowinski checks in the game with a minute left in the first quarter, takes three threes, makes them all, and then goes and sits down. That's awesome. Right off into the sunset. <laughs> That's awesome. That is cool. Ty, what's up with you, man? Oh, man, just back to, uh, back to life, back to reality. Uh, got a lot of catch-up to do. Um, the world doesn't stop when you take a vacation. So, um, hey, but I'm, uh, you know. Uh, refreshed, uh, ready to go, um, invigorated. So um, we'll, we'll hit the ground running early tomorrow morning. Good. Bill, what about you, bud? Uh, let's see. This week on the Real Estate Sessions podcast, Sean, it's Judy Weiniger. She is with uh, Weiniger Group up in... in uh, she's a great human being, yeah. Yeah, she's up in um, Warren, New Jersey. A Jersey girl, she called herself. And so really good interview, Sean. You'll like it a lot. Yep. And then I'm, uh, I'm also... The, it's the Oscars next Sunday, so we're going to need to talk about scheduling on the podcast because <laughs> I'm going to have a house full of people here uh, in for the Academy Awards. My son and his girlfriend will be down here, as well as my wife's best friend Natalie. So we got a full house for a big party next Sunday. Well, we'll go. We'll go mid afternoon if 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 Todd and Shay will oblige, and uh, we'll make it happen. Sounds well, good. I know it's a big Monday night show. Years. Whatever you want to do, yeah. So yeah. it'll be fun. So awesome. Uh, guys, for me, it's, uh, um, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my dad. My dad passed away, uh, 19 years ago tonight. So, uh, shout out to my dad. Um, this week it's a, uh, a home week again. I get to speak to the Ohio Realtors Broker Summit. It's their first time they were doing this and they, uh, they weren't sure what to expect. They sold it out at 250 people. Um, I'm going to do the closing keynote bill. We got people like Rob Hahn and Eric Stegman. uh, So Rob's opening it and I'm closing it. Um, should be a, a fun event, um, and uh, tomorrow's President's Day, so might take the day off, and uh, I'm going to sneak out to Top Golf here in Columbus and take Ryan out to, to hit some shots here in the cold winter weather. Nice. Have you been before, Sean? Uh, yeah, I've been a couple times. Went to Sacramento and been here in Columbus, and Ryan's been out a couple times. But uh, uh, just gonna just just sneaking out to hit some balls in the in the cold weather where you can't play did you uh sean uh, just uh you know not to put you on the spot but did you have a chance to go out and visit with dad today like you normally do i, I did yes i took mom out mom uh, uh so, some of you guys might have seen my my post uh mom had a little scare uh on friday night so i was spent spent the day in the hospital with her but all was good with her no 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 heart attack was confirmed and uh and blood clots are clear so um so I took mom out to see uh dad's spot in the cemetery and it was you know it's always one of those bittersweet days but it's always kind of kind of fun to go out and have lots of good memories of of your dad so uh, thanks guys hey so on behalf of shay and todd and bill and my dad i'm sean carpenter thanks for listening to the stare down